is that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman Webb. Is that really in the Bible? You know, I was thinking about what actors go through to play out a role of the person they're imitating or the person they're pretending to be. I think of the movie Walk the Line, uh, a movie about Johnny Cash, came out several years ago, Joaquin Phoenix. You know, I was amazed at even the very mannerism of Johnny Cash that he was able to mimic and imitate the way he would take that guitar and slide it back behind his back. It was incredible. And the, and the hours that they spend doing this, trying to mimic, trying to imitate the person. I mean, they spend days studying the mannerism, in this case, of Johnny Cash, how he would perform on stage, his mannerisms. They spend hours studying this stuff. The movie My Left Foot, Daniel Day-Lewis as Christy Brown, uh, after spending time with patients at a, a, a disability, uh, a school for the disabled, he actually went to the school of the disabled and spent time with them in order to get this role right because he played a, a part of a disabled you know, person. Day Lewis refused to leave his propped wheelchair and insisted on being carried around and spoon-fed by the crew just to get the feeling, just to get it all down pat as he was acting out this role. The end result was an Oscar and two broken ribs. So it just sort of gives you a little bit a hint of what actors go through to get their role down right and to be able to mimic and pretend that there's someone else and to get the acting role out. Uh, Jamie Foxx as Ray Charles in the movie Ray Fox lost 30 pounds by fasting a full week and then doing daily workouts and adhering to a strict diet. Well, that in and of itself is amazing. Uh, in a week, losing 30 pounds. In other words, to get the imagery right. To get the imagery right. Had to lose 30 pounds. But the real commitment came during the filming when Fox agreed to wear prosthetic eyelids glued over his eyes to mimic Charles's blindness. It caused the actor to have panic attacks during the early weeks of shooting, and crew members would sometimes forget and leave him on the set, forgetting that he couldn't see because he had these, these things glued over his eyes. Uh, in addition, Fox went on to win Oscar gold for the performance and learned to play all the piano parts in the film. That in and of itself is amazing, that he actually learned how to play the instrument, the piano parts for himself. So if you think about how many hours actors spend mimicking, getting down the mannerism, getting down the role, getting down the looks, getting down all of it, it's incredible. It really is. And a point I want to, just a side note, you know, often many actors themselves may not have the character of the individual they're imitating, you know. Maybe I think of a Charles, Charleston Heston who played the part of Moses. Now, I'm not saying Charleston Heston was a bad person or anything like that. I'm just saying that was a big role to, to mimic uh, Moses in the Bible. But often you read about 
actors and their dysfunctions and their multiple relationships that they've been through and then they get on drugs and then sometimes commit suicide. So I'm just saying a lot of times you hear in the news that these actors don't themselves have the character of the person that they're imitating. Now, what I want to do today is to look at the greatest actor in the Bible. Now, you know, the word hypocrite comes from the word, words play actor. It means play actor. Someone who is a hypocrite is someone to, pretending to be somebody that they're not. They're play acting. They're in a role. That's what the word hypocrite comes from, play actor. So let's take a look at this, the greatest play actor in the Bible. The one who mimics, the one who pretends to be somebody else. Isaiah 14 and verse 12. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into the heavens. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the, of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like, notice this, notice this, <clears throat> I will be like the Most High. Notice this, I will be like the Most High, not unlike, not totally different, not something else, but I'm going to be like, the, I'm going to be like God. So everything that you think you know about God, there's a being out there that says, I'm going to imitate him. I'm going to, be, I'm going to mimic everything that he does. I'm going to be like the Most High. So what I want to talk about today is how the enemy uses religion to deceive the masses of people. How Satan uses religion to deceive. And really this verse tells us everything that we need to know about religious deception. And that is we have this being called Lucifer that had a great rebellion and took a third of the angels with him who said, I'm going to be greater than God. And here is a being that tells us he's going to be, he's going to pretend, I'm going to pretend that I'm God. It's basically, basically what Lucifer is saying. I will be like the Most High. Now, this is something that I, I think most people don't even think about. You know, it, it just never crosses their mind that there is a being out there uh, who is pretending to be like God. He has existed since mankind was placed on this earth. He's been there pretending to be like the Most High. I had a co-worker one time that, that told me, he said, I think all religion is good. And he was referring to mainstream churchianity, mainstream Christianity. He believed that it was all good. And he was overlooking this one fact, that there is a being out there who is pretending, Lucifer, Satan, who is pretending to be like God. That's his promise. I will be like the Most High. Now, here's the problem. In religion, everything out there is accredited to God. Does this bother you? I mean, am I the only one that this bothers? That everything out there good and bad, especially the bad, is accredited to God. The buffoon on TV making a complete spectacle of himself. 
I mean, just like a, a, a circus show, just out there just doing, really, it's accredited. All of it is a credit to God. That's God right there, the buffoon on TV making a complete spectacle of himself. You know, the guy, like I saw recently, claiming to blow away the coronavirus. Yeah, I mean, here was this guy. I mean, he, he, he blew the coronavirus away. All of that is accredited to God. People killed by a cult leader where he, he tells people to drink the poison, to drink the Kool-Aid, or to get on a spaceship and, and we're, we're going to be delivered by aliens and, and we all kill ourselves and we, we're going to fly away somewhere. All of it is accredited to God. All the terrible things done in the name of religion, all of it is accredited to God. And God gets the blame for it, don't you know? God gets the blame. He's the one that gets the blame for all of this nonsense and evil that goes on in the name of religion. And it never crosses our minds that there is a being out there who said, I will be like the most high. A play actor. I'm going to be like God. I will have my churches. I will have my people following me. Now in 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 14, it says this, And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Okay, how does Satan come across? Remember, he mimics everything about God. He's a play actor. He's a hypocrite. He's pretending to be something that is not. Okay, he comes across as an angel of light. So, if you're in your bed, lying on your bed, and you're, you're praying to God, and an angel appears by your bedside. How do you know if this is of God? Or I mean, here, here it says that Satan appears as an angel of light. You know, if Satan ever appears by your bedside to tell you something, he's going to appear as an angel of light. And, and yeah, I question all of these things that I see people on TV People that claim to go to heaven and, and have a near-death experience or come back from the dead or whatever. I question these things. I, I, I really do. Um, I was listening to one story, and a guy said that he was carried away into the arms of God, and an angel told him there is not, well, two things. First, he used the truth. He said, you are loved, and that's true. And, and Satan always uses the truth to set people up for the big lie. The big lie was, you can do no wrong. All right, this is a story in heaven, uh, in, carried away by an angel somewhere, near-death experience. This angel said, you're, you're loved, and you can do no wrong. Okay, how do I know that that was not of God? Well, because the Bible talks, it talks about a three-letter word in, in, in from Genesis to Revelation. It's called sin. There is something that we can do that's wrong. That's how I know that that message that this guy is telling me did not come from God. It was satanic. It came from the great play actor who is pretending to be like God. 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 15. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers... You mean Satan has ministers? Well, where might you find those at? Well, you find them in church. Also be transformed into ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. So Satan has ministers. Where are they at? They're in church behind pulpits. How do you know the difference? 
You know the difference by the message that they preach, and I'll get to this in a little bit. You know, it reminds me of a verse in Isaiah. I forget the reference to it, but it says, To the law and testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. That's one of the ways you check up on your preacher to see which side that he's on. But this verse says that Satan has ministers that they are transformed, they come across as ministers of righteousness. Yeah, they talk about good things from the Bible. But you've got to know your Bible enough to prove them and to test the spirits. Satan is the most deeply religious being you will ever meet. And he wants you to worship God. He just wants you to worship him the wrong way. I will be like the Most High. You know, the illusion of how Satan has been presented. He's been presented as scary. He's not scary. He's beautiful. We've just read it, if, you're, if your mind can receive it. And no marvel, this is 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 14, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. So he comes across, he's not scary. He comes across as a beautiful, translucent, glowing spirit being, an angel of light. He's not scary. He's beautiful. The illusion that he comes, you know, that the world has sold you, the lie, the world that he has sold you, the devil's in a red body stocking, you know, with a pitchfork. You know, that's, it's the most ridiculous horror movies that that's satanic horror. Well, they may not be any good, but, you know, horror movies is not how. Demonic activity, like the movie The Exorcist, all of that is a bunch of hogwash. That is not how Satan works. All of this is just a diversion to keep you from understanding how he really works. How he really works is this. I will be like the most high. When Satan gets up every morning and packs his briefcase, he heads off to church. He heads to church. He heads to his workplace, the church. Now, how can I say this? Satan and his demons work through the church. How, how could I possibly... As a preacher, how could I possibly say such a thing? Well, you see, uh, number one, you've never heard this before, and, and you need to hear about the truth about this being who says, I will be like the Most High. What do you think that means? When Satan says, I will be, this, this rebellion, a third of his demons went with him, and he says, we're going to be like the Most High. We're going to play act like we're God. What do you think that means? Even when we look at demon possession in the Bible, we overlooked some important things. Now, we're going to look at some of the examples here. You know, I met one person that I actually thought was demon-possessed at one time in my life, and I don't want to meet another one, but he was the most deeply religious person I'd ever seen. All, he didn't work. All he did was sit around and read the Bible and study. Study, 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 study. Which is a violation of the Word of God. Now, how can I say that? That sitting around in a corner with your legs crossed, you know, Studying the Word of God all day is about because the Bible says it's a violation of the fourth commandment. Six days shall you labor, but the seventh is a Sabbath day. You take a rest one day a week. But the other six days, you're supposed to be out there working and being productive. You know, too much of a good thing is not really good, is my point. But anyway, all right, in Acts 16 and verse 16, and it came to pass as he went through to pray, prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, 
which brought her master much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show us the way of salvation. Next verse. And this did she many days, but Paul being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. Now, when you consider, okay, where do we, did we find this demoniac woman here, demons? All right, you find them in the frontline action of the church. So, you know, they're not off in some horror movie somewhere or gathered around some Ouija board or whatever like that. That's, not what, that, that, that's the diversion that keeps you from understanding how he re really works. In the Bible where we find demonic activity, activity is the frontline action of the church. Following the leadership of the church is where we find them. They desire to preach. Now, now think about that one. They desire to preach. What did they preach? All right, here it is. These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show us the way of salvation. Why would demons tell you the truth? Why did this demoniac, this woman who was demon-possessed, speak the truth? Because it was truth. Well, that's referred to as the hook. The hook. The Satan always uses truth. He never uses all lies. He uses truth to set you up for the big lie. Okay? It's very simple. If you ever bought a used car, you know what, this, what I'm talking about. You know, it's like, okay, this, this truck is a one-time owner. That's the truth. What the salesman doesn't tell you is that the redneck that owned it used it for mud bogging every Saturday night. Now, that's what he doesn't tell you. Okay. But he sets you up with the truth. Yeah, this truck is a one-time owner. Yeah. You see, a lot of deception is in what preachers don't teach their congregation. Let me repeat that. A lot of the stuff that you're being deceived about is what your preacher cannot tell their congregation. Your preacher can't tell you about health laws. I mean, you would think a church is a place where you go to get healthy physically. But your preacher is not going to tell you about health laws, unclean meats in the Bible, because he doesn't keep them. And he basically knows that you don't want to hear about it anyway. So he doesn't preach about it. Your preacher is not going to tell you how to really have holy time with God by keeping his Sabbath because that's a big commitment. I mean, Friday sunset to Saturday sunset, that's a 24-hour period, you know, the Sabbath day. So he's not going to tell you how to really have holy time with God. He doesn't keep the Sabbath day. He's just going to let you be deceived and think your 45-minute worship service with the Lord is good enough. Okay, he's going to allow you to live in that deception. Your preacher can't really tell you how to get closer to Jesus Christ through the holy days, which are all about, the holy days are all about Jesus Christ. The Passover, you know, when I see the blood, I will pass, I will pass over you. The days of unleavened bread, putting Christ in, putting sin out. Uh, Pentecost, receiving the spirit of Christ. Trumpets, the return of Jesus Christ. Atonement, the atoning work of Jesus Christ. The Feast of Tabernacles, when... The whole world will rejoice before Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, and then the last great day, which is really about the mercy and forgiveness and mercy according to God's timing of Jesus Christ. So, but your, your preacher cannot tell you about the holy days because he doesn't keep them. 
a lot of religious deception is what is what preachers don't tell their congregation. Just like that guy selling you that truck tells you that truck is a one-time owner and he doesn't tell you about the redneck that uses it every Saturday night for mud bogging. But he sets you up with the truth. And that's the hook, you see. That's the hook. You know, uh, Ron Dart told a story about a man came to him and, and said that an angel appeared at a bus stop and told him he should be tithing. Okay, that's truth. And tithing is in the Bible. Okay. And he said, don't you think that was of God? And, and, and Ron Dart said, no, I don't think it was of God. He said, why would God send you an angel to tell you to do something that's been in the Bible for thousands of years? Tithing is a biblical principle. All you got to do is pick up your Bible and read about it. But you come back to the question, well, why would an evil spirit tell you to do something? That's in the Bible because he's setting you up for the big hook. The lie is coming, but in order to teach you the lie, you got to be hooked with a bit of the truth first. Satan always uses, it starts with truth. Now, where we might we find a little bit of truth? Well, you find a little bit of truth in church. Yeah, but it ends with a lie. The end result is a lie. What's the lie? The law has been nailed to the cross, has been fulfilled. Jesus lived his life perfectly so that you don't have to. You don't have to worry about a thing. Just, 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 just give your heart to the Lord and then don't worry about the thing. It's all been done away with. That's the lie. That's the lie. Jeremiah 7 and verse 9. Will you still, now he's talking to religious people here. Will you still murder and commit adultery and swear falsely and burn incense into Baal and walk after other gods whom you know not? And come and stand before me in this house. Will you do all these things and then go to church, which is called by my name, and say, we are delivered to do all these abominations. Yeah, that, that's exactly what people do. They commit sin and they say, but we've been delivered. I mean, you know, uh, we're delivered. What does that mean? We're delivered from the law. We're we don't have to keep the law. It's been nailed to the cross. It's been fulfilled. It's been done away. This scripture is a reality here of what people are saying. They're saying to God, I don't have to worry about this sin that I committed. I'll just go back to church and ask for forgiveness, but I'll go out and commit it all over again. Do the same sin the next week, the next day. We are delivered from all these things. Yes, that's exactly what people are saying. We have this being who says, I will be like the most high, a play act, the greatest play actor ever. And he's a copycat. He has his church. He has his religion. Now, let's take a look at his, his church here. Matthew, Jesus spoke of the, his church in Matthew 7 and verse 22. Yes, this great play actor. This great being called Lucifer who rebelled against God, who said, I will be like the Most High. Jesus spoke about his church right here in Matthew 7, verse 22. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Do you know what prophesied means? It means inspired preaching. I mean, it means preaching that people go out weeping and crying like a baby and holding their hands up and saying, yeah, that's got to be of God. 
Okay, in your name we have done all these wonderful works, inspired preaching, and in your name have cast out devils, and in your name have done many wonderful works. Not just a few, but many wonderful works. Not just good works, but wonderful works. Then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. You know, the word iniquity there just means lawlessness. It's a lawless theology. It is the belief that we have been delivered from the law of God. And I think the masses of people, much as I hate to say this, but I think the masses of religious people will, will hear these words by Jesus. And I like to say, well, it's no fault of their own, but is it? You know, when I hear statements like, well, all churches are good, and they're too lazy to check into what is the end result. Yeah, your church may give, may give you a little pick-me-up message that makes you feel good about yourself. But what is the end result of the preaching? Often the end result of the preaching, when you get down to the very end scenario of it all, is we are delivered. We have been delivered from the law of God. And we don't have to keep it. We're delivered to do all these things that, you know, I really want to do anyway. I really wasn't serious about keeping God's law anyway. So we're delivered. Yeah, that's the end result. And that's what you got to check into. And I'm going to tell you with upcoming messages how to do this. How to identify, you know, before you ever darken the door of the church, how to know. I'm going to give you a list of things you need to do first. So the next program, I'm going, to, I'm going to be talking about how the enemy deceives. Now we've touched on there's a great being that said, I'm going to be like the Most High. But now we're going to get into, on the next program, we're going to get into how the enemy deceives. And it's laid out in the temptations of Christ. And it's, a, it's an oversight, at least on, I'm surprised Satan laid this out. But in the temptations of Christ... Is, is late, it reveals how the enemy deceives the masses of people. And yes, he uses the word of God to deceive, to manip he manipulates the word of God to deceive many, many people. So don't ever forget, don't ever, with this message, what I want you to understand is this, Christianity has an enemy, an enemy that says, I will be like the Most High. I'm David Freeman, and you just heard what's really in your Bible. If you would like a free DVD recording of this program that you can share with friends and loved ones, write to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. And be sure to mention the title of this program. This program has been paid for by the tithes and offerings of the Church of God Rocky Mount and friends of this ministry. If you have been challenged by listening to this program, then consider that a great blessing. You can visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net. It is the support of people like you that make this ministry possible. If you have been blessed by this understanding given to you today, then consider making a donation by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 
27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151.